Welcome to Just for Keeps, the podcast all about goalkeepers. This episode is brought to you by Set GK Goalkeeper Gloves. Gloves by the pros, for the pros. With five different models to choose from, they guarantee you'll find the feel and fit you're looking for. Use promo code JUSTFORKEEPS at checkout and receive 25% off your order. Set GK. It all starts with your set. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Just For Keeps, the podcast all about goalkeepers. I'm your host, Carter Hockman, and joining me this week is current LAFC goalkeeper, John McCarthy. Thanks for coming on, John. Yeah, what's up, Carter? Happy to be here, man. Happy to have you on. So the first question I always ask is, what made you want to become a goalkeeper? What drew you originally to the position? <laughs> uh, kind of when I was younger. Uh, I don't know how young I was, like, I don't know, six, eight, something like that, seven. Uh, our goalkeeper wasn't the best at the time, and our coach kind of looked around and was like, does anybody want to try it? Uh, and I remember, like, I ran to my dad, and I was like, next game, I'm going to try goalkeeper. Kind of ever since then, it was it was like I tried being a goalkeeper. Obviously, played the field from time to time, but that's where it kind of all started. Simple as that, huh? Just that we just I just want to hop in net and see if I like it. Yeah, give it a shot. You know, see if I can do better than the the guy in front of me. So that's that's just where where I ended up. Was there a moment where you knew you were like, all right, I'm really enjoying this, and I want to stick with this? Uh, yeah, I think I think there was probably like like fifth, sixth, seventh grade. You really like kind of like a position and stuff like that and everyone has their favorite position and, and that was me just being a goalkeeper i mean you grew up in pennsylvania and we all know just how rich and intense the sports culture is around there and you know that goes without saying but did you play other sports growing up or did you know from an early age that it was just going to be soccer soccer was going to be it for you no i played basketball my whole life um basketball is by one of my favorite probably it's up there with soccer you know i i I can't wait for the Sixers to come on today. So that's good for me. And then uh, hopefully they pick up a win. But I, I was a basketball guy up until senior high school. You know, I played it all the time. And then uh, I still try to play as much as I can on my off days and stuff. I like to go out and shoot around. And, and in the off season, if I can get a run in, I'll, I try to get a run in. Man, I mean, basketball. It, I mean, there's so many skills that are transferable from basketball into the goalkeeping position. So I feel like that has to have helped your your development just as an athlete as a whole it, absolutely absolutely uh with playing defense and shuffling and moving side to side having a good stability and stuff like that and and being able to being able to move quick and agile and then obviously rebounding and, and basketball is jumping so that's a huge part of goalkeeping too so basketball is a huge part of my game i think and, and development and growth as a person too who are your first like big goalkeeper inspirations i mean for me and i'm pretty sure i've mentioned it in past episodes but any chance I can, I'll always bring up Gigi Buffon and, and his performance in the World Cup versus France. That I mean, that alone made me feel like he, like he was a superhero, and I wanted to emulate that. Who were your first big influences? Edwin van der Sar, hands down. Uh, I'm a Man United guy, um, so like growing up watching him, um, and then and then I started, and I was I was really young at the time, but um, everyone always raved over Peter Schmeichel. Um, saying he might be one of the greatest of all time. So being able to hop on YouTube and watching him and how he played and 
Um, and and just just as a person, seeming like he's a little crazy. Those were my two guys. And Evan Vandersar was more so because my coach started calling me a baby Vandersar. Like I was tall, lanky, kind of like Evan Vandersar. So I really tried to to watch and, and, and emulate their game together. You mentioned your coach. I mean, when did you first get your taste of goalkeeper-specific training? I mean, I mentioned it. Like I said, I mentioned it all the time for anyone who listens to the podcast regularly, but I didn't see my first goalkeeper coach until I was 15, which I always wish I'd started sooner. Uh, that's a good question, you know. Um, uh, first, like, you mean, like, individual, like, one-on-one attraction and stuff like that? Could be or... group training, but it was a goalkeeper-specific coach, you know? Yeah, I want to say, okay, I want to say, like, sixth, seventh grade, maybe, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, right around that time. That's kind of when I when I uh, uh, started to see some more development, and and my, and my dad was a big supporter, and obviously helping me get some extra training and stuff like that. So that was probably the time why why I was able to get some extra individual training, I believe. What was the biggest shock to you when you first started when you had that first training session with a goalkeeper coach? Like, because I remember the first for me it was like you have to relearn essentially how to fall, you know? Yeah, um, the first thing that was like was like kind of ingrained into your head or my head, at least I think was falling on your side, you know, like getting, getting in the habit of consistently falling and, and diving on your side. Um, and it, it, it uh, went a long way because realistically when you, when you master that, you just get your hands out in front of you, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a part of being just like a crazy little kid, but you have to have the, the controls, the kid to be able to do that time and time again. It's one of those questions I get all the time. It's like, don't your ribs hurt all the time? It's like, well, no, if you fall correctly, I mean, you're, 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 you're getting your, your knee, maybe your hips, your elbows all in the way first before your ribs even touch the ground. So yeah, quite frankly, if you're diving the right way, your ribs should never really hurt. Exactly. No, you're spot on with that. It shouldn't, you know, and I wear, I wear uh, hip pads and I still do wear hip pads, but that's only a time it's like hip pointers and stuff like that right on your, right on your joints. But that's the only place you ever really get some, some knocks if need be. People always called me crazy. I never, I only wore my, the hip pads when I was playing on grass, never on turf. And people always said I was, it was completely backwards that they always, they only wore it on turf and never wore it on grass. Yeah. I mean, it, that's not even crazy. I wore, I wore hockey pads growing up as a kid, like the, the ones that, like the roller, roller skates and ice skates I used to wear, like the tight ones around their waist. I used to wear them for like hip pads. So you're far from doing it backwards compared to me. That must have been. <laughs> quite the sight to see <laughs> what what age do you generally recommend younger goalkeepers start seeking out a decent goalkeeper coach um i kind of think whenever you're ready for it you know whenever you think that you want to be a goalkeeper because there's no age where you can just say like there's no i don't think there's a good time or a bad time to just be like ah, i want to be a goalkeeper now i really want to go and pursue it because there's, like you said, you didn't start getting individual goalkeeper training until 15, you know? Um, so, and, and I know uh, a lot of youth development is nowadays, especially is playing with your feet. So realistically, if you get on the field, if you play half a game in that half a game on the field and you train half a game as field players and half a game uh, or half a session as, as a goalkeeper, I think that goes a long way in development still. Um, and, and your body's still growing and stuff as, as, as a young kid. So you never really know when is the perfect time to get the, the extra training, but I, I, I guess goalkeeping's experience. So the sooner rather than later, <laughs> there's no right or wrong answer. I don't think in my opinion. No, that's, and that's an interesting point because you have to really be ready for it. And you have to want to do it too, because it's one of those, it's one of those training regimens where if you're not ready for it or you don't, 
it's not something that you want to particularly be doing or not you're not your heart isn't in it it's going to be miserable for you exactly and exactly and i think it's really tough as a, as a as a kid to to experience the downfalls of the life of a goalkeeper so no one really wants to do it and especially if you kind of just get tossed in there maybe it works out for you but when it, when it, when you feel good about it and you have some confidence to it yeah maybe go out and search for some uh, some extra work or try to find some extra development to to help your game the next part of that for me i mean one thing I know a lot of parents who might be listening are wondering is when you're looking for that coach, you know, they could, they, you, you know, your kid expresses to you, Hey, I definitely want to be all in on this. I want to be a goalkeeper. How do you, I mean, maybe you specifically, how do you differentiate between a good goalkeeper coach and one that's just going to put you through the motions? I mean, how do you pick them out? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so don't, don't get uh, too caught up in, in three, four five, six parents trying to, put some invoice on you or who's your coach as a young kid. And the most I really played is like JV soccer. No offense to the parents out there, stuff like that. But, you know, they're, they're not really uh, experienced and, and really backing uh, backing what they say because they've never experienced it. Um, I, I think you just have to realize it's not a gimmick when you're throwing in. If someone's, if someone's out there and they're saying, hey, well, let's do $100 for an hour session, I think you got to kind of take a deep breath and look back and kind of check out a resume a little bit where there might be a different scenario where you can go and get a group training session where there might not be as much individual work to be done. But because there's a group training session, you still might be getting some 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 development at, at, at a better price for you. I think there's a lot of pa- uh, parents and coaches out there that do it for the money nowadays and and don't really see or really care about the growth of a of youth youth soccer player. And I think another important thing to add on to that is it has to be a coach that you get along with. I mean, you, yes. and you, you like, because you know, as well as anybody else do, and this is true for any situation in any portion of your life. If you don't like the person that is teaching you or coaching you or ahead of you or your boss, it's going to make the work miserable and you're not going to want to listen to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great point. That's, that's probably, that would probably surpass anything I just said, honestly. Um, because you wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you don't want to, you don't want to be uh, as as like a parent or something. You don't want to drive your kid to practice, and your kids like, do I really have to go to the goalkeeper session? And and you're like, yeah, you do. I'm paying for it. Well, maybe the parent has to take a, a step back and and find someone that he can enjoy or she can enjoy going out to a session with because the enjoyment at a young age is is very very crucial in my mindset because enjoyment goes a, a long long way for a long long career. Like sure, this you know the coach whoever may be coaching your kid. Maybe they didn't have the most extensive resume, but if they know what they're talking about and they get along with the goalkeeper that they're coaching, that co- that goalkeeper is going to develop way, 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 way further than this kid that's going to maybe a guy who played at the at the, the highest of high levels, but just is a is a jerk, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. The, the the I guess you could say the fun and fundamentals is truly you have to have fun while you're doing it. You know, I've heard absolutely. I, I, I've heard that statement before, and and it sounds corny, but like. When, you, when you're learning how to do things, if you're not having fun or, or enjoying it, it, you won't ever develop. Hey, there's truth in corniness, and that will forever be true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Piggybacking off of all of that, I mean, when did you start – when did you first start playing club soccer? Um, I don't know. I would say <laughs> – yeah. I'm 29 now, so let's say – I probably played for like your obviously like your town team or something till I was maybe third grade, fourth grade. 
Um, and then I hopped into club soccer and I did the whole ODP schmiel um, up until like, I think the second year of academy is when I joined the academy. So that was up until like sophomore, junior, junior high school, I think was my first year of academy. And which, uh, which academy was this? Uh, at the time it was FC Delco. So I don't even think they exist anymore. Um, FC Delco. And then I did match fit my senior year. Um, and, and speaking on fun, I had a lot more fun playing a match with than I did at Delco, honestly. I had a better group of guys, a coaching staff that believed in me and, and didn't promise me the world and were just open and honest. And it was kind of vice versa at Delco where they promised you the world and you got a pebble. So I, I think fun, having fun was, was crucial at that time and enjoying it a bit more. I don't know how it works in Pennsylvania, but in Massachusetts, if you're playing academy, you're not allowed to play high school soccer. I don't know. Is that the case in, in Pennsylvania as well? I think that's how the case is now. When I when I first started up, there was rumors of that happening. Um, and then I think when I was in college, it fully became like, hey, if you're an academy player, you're playing all year round academy ball besides for like a month and a half throughout the year, you know? Yeah. Um, so then when I was in – I had, I guess you could call it still the extra fun where you got to play high school and academy <laughs> with your friends in high school. And then you got to go and play academy with some of the best players and like your – your area or the tri-state, wherever they were coming from. But we had people from all over. So, Was there a point for you where you recognized that you were developing at a much more rapid rate than the goalkeepers around you? Yeah, I think I, I, think I had two jumps, actually. I think I had a big jump in high school. Um, uh, it was actually into my – was it sophomore to junior, I believe? I kind of grew. I grew like a six – I had like a six-inch growth spurt. Wow. And yeah, it was it was un, it was unbelievable. And then I was kind of really, sounds painful. <laughs> yeah, I actually I did have like heel pain and knee pain for like a couple months in and out. You know, that's just part of the part of the life growing as a as a, a kid. And then I uh I had a I had a jump I had a jump there where I was like playing ODP and never really was the starter. And then I made the regional team <laughs> as like a backup goalkeeper for our EPYSA team and. And I, I knew I, I didn't know anything going into it, but I had the confidence going to like regional campus. It was going to make a make a huge statement, you know. Um, <laughs> and then I made another jump. I feel like when I got to college, um, I think I just grew kind of into the game and into the the way of just playing with bigger, faster, stronger players. I felt like I was at a at a good level there. You know, I felt like I was here. Like this is where I belonged. And, I could push the guys around me and, and try to bring guys with me because I, I felt like I was playing as, as good as I, I could be for a college player. We're going to go back to high school a little bit just for a minute. I mean, talk to me about your development during that time because anyone who knows me knows that I, I firmly believe that high school is arguably the most pivotal point in any player's development because it's, they're at, you know we sort of touched on it. They're either physically or mentally it's it's an incredibly decisive moment in a player's career. You're going you're going through growth spurts. You're going through you're playing against kids that are, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. And you might, you know, you're a 15 year old kid who hasn't gone who maybe hasn't gone through puberty fully yet. You know, what was your development through high school like as a whole? Yeah. Um, well, my high school is closed down now, so I'm really, really sad that you're bringing it back up. Thanks for bringing up some sad times. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's all good. It's all good. Shout out to my North Catholic family. Um, but high school, high school for me was a. It, I think it is a big development, like you said. I went in as a freshman, and uh, like I didn't really 
know what I was really stepping into, you know? I, I You don't really know until you get there. And, and I was practicing and training with the varsity kids. And I was, like I said, I didn't really grow. I was only five foot five, maybe. At the time, I wasn't like a big keeper. And then all of a sudden, I grew and had a growth spurt. Um, but it, it, it's crucial because there's, I think there's a lot of factors that affect you off the field as well as on the field when you're in high school because – you don't want to be the the loser kid that doesn't go out and hang out with your friends on the weekend. You don't want to be the kid that has to miss out on a birthday party. You don't want to be the kid that has to miss out sleeping over or staying out late with your buddies. And that's a huge part into habits and growth into your career getting older. So I think all those things benefit benefited me because I, I had no problem telling my friends I couldn't go out. I couldn't hang out with them or anything like that because I had to wake up and go to uh, school the next day. And then I had training or at a game at night, stuff like that. On a Friday, I didn't go out after the Friday night game. I'll go, like, I just went home. You know, I didn't have – I didn't worry about hanging out with my friends again. I'd, I'd see him – I'd see him when I see him, you know. I still have tons of friends. And then development-wise development, development wise on the field is crucial. It, 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 that, that plays into it as much as I just said a lot of the things that weigh into factors off the field because you need to, you need to play as much as you want and, and you get the experience of playing with older kids. And it's one of those things where, like, for me, I didn't start – I didn't even start on varsity until – my junior year and that was by accident I played on on the freshman team my freshman year then JV my sophomore year and then through a, a crazy freak injury during warm-ups at our first game is when I got my first start as a varsity goalkeeper and so every, you know every, I think the important thing that I like to to harp on and I think a lot of people would agree is that everyone's development especially as a goalkeeper where it's so you know there's there's only one of you basically there's only one of you playing uh, yeah. your journey, everyone's development, everyone's journey as a goalkeeper through high school specifically is different and does not dictate where you're going to go to the next level. No, not at all. I, I, that's, 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 there's only one goalkeeper. Like I only played my freshman year, like three or four games because I started goalkeeper got injured. Then the head coach pulled me aside and wanted to give the other senior the benefit of the doubt. And 12 seconds into a game uh, against Conwell Egan, they played like a long ball, and he gets cracked and bruises his ribs, and I get subbed into the game as a freshman. So I would have never – it's all timing. You know, I would have never played. I play, ended up playing like another three, four more games, and then the starter came back and played. But then again, I, I played my sophomore year, first half of the season, and we're playing uh, – I, I ended up starting my sophomore year, and I missed the second half of the season because I broke two ribs and punctured a lung in, in a game. So it's just – it's a matter of timing and, and placement that – Things can, the ball. It's the same thing as saying the ball can bounce your way. Your position can kind of bounce your way, and you got to kind of grab, grab the opportunity. It's all. It's all about opportunity. It's so funny you mentioned that because, like I said, like my junior year, first game, we're warming up. I'm still putting on my gloves. Our other goalkeeper is is taking warm up shots already. The strikers are shooting, and all of a sudden, I just hear trainer, 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 and his kids. He's his shoulders down by his elbow. It's his. You know, he just completely dislocated his oh. shoulder. Yeah, it was it was it was tough to look at, but I couldn't look at it because I had to go warm up because all of a sudden I'm a starter. Yeah, yeah, that's just that's just that's timing, and sometimes it plays it plays great for you, and other times it doesn't play so great for you. And that's the same. It, it wasn't just in high school and college, and then in the professional world, it all it all correlates. The next stage in you know in anyone's development, you know, if they're thinking about it and they're ready and they know they want to, is that college recruitment process. So for me, I started the process really late. You know, I didn't know what was required in terms of, you know, having like a highlight reel or, you know, I, I just lucked out that there were other parents that were already filming their kid or, <laughs> or the local media was there taping the game. But before we touch on your recruiting and, and college experience, what would you say is the most important thing that, you know, in addition to having one in the first place, you believe goalkeepers need to include in their highlight reel? Who? 
Wow. Okay. Um, a loaded question, I know. No, that's that's a tough question. Like, what do goalkeepers need in the highlight reel? Okay, so I think the one thing that kind of helped me stand out a little bit and uh, was crosses, coming out and controlling your box. You want to be owning your box. Um, a statement that I don't like from or that is like a very like blast statement, like doesn't doesn't really bother me or doesn't affect that or shouldn't affect me. It doesn't. It's like someone says, oh, yeah, he's a really good shot stopper. Well, he better be. He's a goalkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like he's a good shot stopper. Okay. Well, what what do you mean? Like, he better be some type of shot stopper. So, I think controlling your box for crosses is a is a huge part of a a, a game that it, that can be underrated. Um, and I think that was something that high school kids and high school uh, parents or coaches should really emphasize because that goes a long way. Because you know how high school soccer is. It's a lot of long balls direct set pieces, corners, stuff like this, long throwings. And if you have a goalkeeper that's coming out for 10 crosses a half, you're thinking, crap, like we ain't going to get by this kid unless we pass through him, you know? So I think that's a huge piece in a highlight pick. That's a really good point. I never thought about how much that statement should bother me. But the shot stopper one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> if you think about it, it's – it's uh, my buddy Lewis Morgan told me about it. I played with him uh, two, a year ago now in Miami, and – he showed me an interview. I forget who it was. Um, a, a, a big time coach was like, "What? Are, what is his like attributes?" And like, he's a good shot stopper. What do you mean? He's a good like a professional. What do you mean he's a good shot stopper? Like he's he's, he's a professional shot stopper. Uh, what that? It doesn't matter if he's a good shot. If he's not a good shot stopper, he'd be working at a bar. You know, like <laughs> that's hilarious. I never yeah. thought about that. But yeah. you ended up staying in 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 PA and you landed LaSalle. Talk to me about just just how you landed there, and, and did you did you know you wanted to stay close to home? Uh, no, I didn't have much much college recruiting coming my way. I didn't have much attention. I tried to put my name out there at all, like any local D one schools. I was I went to talk to the Delaware coach. I went to try to visit a Temple, LaSalle, St. Joe's. Went up to Seton Hall, stuff like that. I really wanted to go to Rutgers back in the day. I thought that was an awesome awesome school. I didn't know much about the program or anything. I just thought that's good. That's kind of cool, you know, um, but uh, LaSalle kind of just just came along with being a Philly kid. Um, my dad, my dad went to LaSalle, actually played at LaSalle. I had a few cousins that went there um, and the, the coaches really, really recruited locally. Um, they always like to have like three, four guys come in from the tri-state area, at least at least three, four guys really close to Philadelphia. Um, so it, it really just it worked out for like we said earlier, timing. If they didn't need a goalkeeper, they might not even look at me, you know. So I, it was kind of down between LaSalle and Seton Hall growing up. Did you have a giant reality check when you were put through your first training session? For me, it was just the fact that I don't think I made a single save on day one. <laughs> yeah, there was there was like a little grown man type of thing. Like this dude, this this guy that I played with keep in touch with me, actually is assistant for the union union coaching staff now is Ryan Richter. He was a senior when I was a freshman, played pro for a couple of years. And to see him on the field with us, I was like 150 pounds soaking wet, six foot two. <laughs> like I was, you know, six foot two, six foot three. Like, what am I going to do with this guy? Like, I, if this guy comes running at me, am I really putting my body on the line? You know, you kind of you question things a little bit, but you need you need the first week to really to really get get your confidence to get to get into things, but. It was. It's definitely. It's definitely a jump. It's a level jump for everyone. Oh, believe me, I was playing my first 
my freshman year, I was playing against, uh, or not against, one of my teammates was um, like a Matt Furman finalist two years in a row. And just seeing him like naturally, at, he was just he was 6'2", could jump like nobody's business, was one of the best athletes I've ever seen. And I just saw like the long balls that were played right to his feet every time, it just right by me. Who was this? Who was this? This was Walito Fernandez. Uh, and he was one of the best, I think, soccer players I've ever seen up close, uh, college or professional. Uh, it was just his knees were his ultimate undoing. Uh, that's, um, that's tough. But moving forward from that, we have to touch on the mental as- the mental health aspect of it all. Because, you know, having seen and, and heard what's happened over the last several months with, with college athletes as a whole, we can't ignore it. Uh, I mean... What do you remember what resources were available to you while you were in school, if any? I mean, goalkeeping, you know, it goes without saying, but it's such a mentally strenuous and exhausting position, you know, for a multitude of reasons. I mean, what resources were available to you to help handle everything? And if not, what were your best strategies for handling the pressure, the criticism and, and you know, just the bad stretches of play? Yeah, I mean, at, at my university, it's a, it's a small D1 school, so there's not a lot out there for you to go and kind of talk to. Obviously, you have your athletic director and uh, your mentors and stuff, like your, your student councils and stuff like that looking out for you. But for me, it was I tried making the best relationship I could with my head coach, Pat Farrell, my assistant coach, Bob Wilkinson, and, and Brian Blessy, and uh, and then also my goalkeeper coach, who I call him Bernie Dino, Um to have these guys and in my corner as much as I could. So anytime I wanted to talk to them, I could, and I could be open and honest with them, whether it was a good thing or a bad thing. I think being able to sit down and have a conversation with your coach is missed out by so many players so many times, because I still do it today in the professional world. You want to talk to your coach once a week in the, in the college game, because you have a game every three, four days and the same thing in high school. You just want to check in with your coach. Hey coach, am I doing the right things? Can I do anything else? Can 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 you can you give me any feedback and and don't back down from it because at some points there is some negative feedback there is some hey I don't think you've looked as sharp as you did today this today as as you have the past week in training you know stuff like that and that's that's where I think my mentorship has come from because my coaches were very open with with me as I was open with them and it's it's one of those things like I mean when you take that criticism in stride I mean you'll have a you know every goalkeeper goes through even those training sessions where just everything is getting by you, no matter how good your positioning is or how think, how good you think you should be doing. Everything gets by you. You'll have a bad game that week and you'll get back to training and just have not feel like you've improved. I mean, what are your strategies to handle with those stretches when they inevitably come? What you're saying, what was my, my strategies then or my strategies now? Cause those are different. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll talk about both. Oh God. Yeah. My strategies then I was, I would be furious with myself. Um, and I, I don't regret any of it uh, because it's maybe into the person and player I am today. But I would, if there was a bad game or a bad training session, I'd walk off the field and I want to talk to anyone. I want to talk to my girlfriend. I want to talk to my teammates. I just needed my own space. I needed to go back. I, I would write down a lot of things. I would overanalyze a lot of things. And I would just watch film and try to, what can I do better, you know? Um, and I'd really be like, what can I do to help my teammates get better? How can I input my, my stuff? And I really overthought everything a lot um and i think the best the best piece of advice was i got was worry about yourself don't worry about yelling as much as you like controlling people or having people try to do things they can't do um worry about yourself and that was a huge piece for me in development right towards the end of my college career because 
I, I was I was the guy that was yelling and screaming nonstop for 90 plus minutes. And my teammates knew that that's who I was. But towards the end of my career, I kind of backed off just uh, just enough to the point where I think it helped me develop and grow grow into a, a better goalkeeper. I mean, it's one of those things where, you, you know, nobody's strategy is the same. And if you find something that works for you, that helps you calm down, that helps you find the answers, do not hesitate to abuse that because if it works, it works. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's like there's no shame in going back to, to the to the thing that just makes you feel safe that helps you mentally reset because if that's what you know if that's what saves you from you know falling over the edge, there's no shame in it. No, not at all, not at all. Uh, and that, that that's something that I don't think other other people in other positions will understand either because goalkeeping is a, a totally different mentality. One hundred percent. I mean, you finished your career at LaSalle, you know. You did, you did all right. You finished with the, as their all-time leader, you know, among goalkeepers in saves, <laughs> shutouts, games played. You had 468 saves for those who don't know, 28 shutouts and 75 games played. It's a question I that you know, I haven't thought about a lot, but you know, until somebody asked me this question recently, but what aspects about college goalkeeping specifically would surprise people the most? What do you mean by like like, like aspects like their playing ability or i mean it's sort of like it's a because it's you you can attest it's a different game that it's a different you play the position differently than you do in the pros i mean i feel like it's more building out of the back it's more it's more it's hard to describe the the the, the subtle differences, but they're there. And I feel like there's a lot of like, cause you, you're training with, you know, four or five goalkeepers versus in the pros, you might have two or three roster or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I really think what uh, was big for me in the, in the college game was, I mean, I'm going to go back to the word I hate using, be the best shot stopper. Yeah. I could possibly be the best shot stopper. I could possibly be. And that came down to my goalkeeper coach, cranking positioning in the mid like he we would work on positioning there's seven days in a week we're working on positioning nine days out of seven <laughs> and, and i and whether it was whether i would be out there before after or during our, our goalkeeper session it was the little bits of like half a yard like if i was half a yard off just move we wouldn't even strike a ball sometimes to get in the right position went such such a long way with me um in in my career in in, in that stage of my career and, and then the other thing that I think um, was, was big was we, we, our field wasn't a, a, like a normal size field. Our, we only had width of like 63, 64 yards, but it was a 120. That's narrow. Yeah, it, 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 ain't, it ain't a wide field by any, maybe 65 yards, but it's a narrow, narrow field. For those who don't know, a field should be about 80 yards wide. Yeah, yeah. Anywhere from 75, full, a professional field is 75 to 80 wide. But so if you're playing on our field, guess what? throw-ins corner kicks crosses they're, they're not far ever everything is always coming into the box and that's kind of how we uh, we trained a lot so i think that was 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 big and then like you said in a professional game you work on your feet a lot more and stuff like that because if you don't have the other aspects before you get there you're never going to reach that level and that sort of leads perfectly into my next question because you signed after you graduated you signed your first pro contract in the usl with the rochester rhinos i mean right away what did you notice was the biggest difference about college training versus professional goalkeeper training? Um, it was, it was legit. <laughs> it was, that's, that's step one. It's gotta be legit. 
it was it was legit, you know, because my goalkeeper coach seven days out of the week was there three days out of the week. You know, that includes games where you might have missed the practice or training. But then my assistant coach, Bob Wilkinson, would really lay in to, to shooting drills and stuff like that for me to get some to get some reps. So we went from college to the pros. It was just a jump. Um, it, it's a big jump. You think that you're you think you should be there. You think you want to be there. And then when you get there, you're looking around and the guys next to you are as good as you, if not better than you. So you gotta, you gotta really still develop your game and, and and question yourself and push yourself in in training sessions. So for me, it was just a legit, a legit environment. It was a controlled professional environment. It wasn't a, it wasn't a bunch of kids. It was, it was grown men. (laughs) How did you handle that mentally when you realized you were going from where you were the best at LaSalle to all of a sudden you were not the best anymore? I'm going to touch on that. Uh, Real quick, if you don't mind me, like I think Please. people need, I think people need to open up the, their mindset and uh, a little bit about like going from high school to college and college to professional. You got to remember, just because you're the best in high school doesn't mean you're gonna work out to be the best player or want to even be able to play at the college level. Because like most likely, if you're the best on your high school team, you're gonna go to a college team where you're probably gonna be when you get there number eighteen on the roster. You know, you're not the best guy anymore. You just went from being the best in high school, in your city, state, whatever you want to call it, to now the bottom half of a college scene because there's other people that are better in front of you. And then for you to be able to develop and go from the college game into the professional game, it's such a small – so few so few can do it that I want people to realize that, like, don't get caught up in, in really forcing yourself into – or believing that you can do it because – yeah, you should believe in yourself, but it is a very small window that every level is a massive, massive step. And I want to emphasize that because I think that's something people should, should know. It's not just, yeah, I know I can be there. I know I can do it. Well, you, you better think you kind of have to think twice about it because so it's such a small category. And, and piggybacking off of that, it's one of those things where, like you mentioned, you're coming out of high school where you were the best player in your high school. Guess what a college team is? A college team is all of the guys who were the best in their high school, in their state, in their in, in their region, whatever. Exactly. exactly. That's that's what a college team is. Doesn't matter if it's Division One, Two, Three, NAIA, JUCO. Those guys were all at one point or one or one way or another. They were the best um, on their team. You are joining a team full of people that were also the best. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a thing that you need to. You need to, you're right. You need to mentally wrap your head around the fact. All right, you know, I believe I can do it. Show it. You know, don't. Don't be deterred by the fact that all of a sudden there's people that are better than you. You were never always the best. You got there. Yeah. And if, if you get to the next level and you stop pushing because you think you deserve it, that's where you're going to fall short. Yeah, you're going to get caught. There's always someone out there that is is better than you or going to be better than you. After your first year with, with Rochester, you were named the USO goalkeeper and the rookie of the year. And then you would follow that up by signing with your hometown Philadelphia Union. It's every kid's dream to just sign with their hometown pro team, let alone <laughs> let alone play, which you did. I mean, talk me through that whole story and, and, and that journey just through Philly. Easiest way to put it, it was a dream come true. That's the easiest way to put it. Um, still to this day, I have very good connections in Philadelphia, very good relationship with the coaching staff and behind the scenes and, and players that I played with that are still there. Um it was it was amazing. I got to see my family and friends. I lived at home for the majority of the time when I was there. Um, so it's something I'll I didn't take for granted. I never will take that 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 opportunity for granted. Um, and it, it was just 
it's great to be able to, to truly live my dream of playing for my hometown team. I mean, we're here to talk about your journey, but we would be, I would be remiss if I didn't ask what it was like training with and behind and sometimes in front of Andre Blake. Yeah, I'm just a good dude, man. Uh, I got to, I got to see him this past weekend. Um, I love training with him. He's a really good person, a really good guy. And obviously, as goes without saying, he's a really good goalkeeper. Um, so to, to be able to have him and train with him and compete with him every day made me a better goalkeeper, hands down. Just because I wasn't playing doesn't mean I wasn't taking pointers or taking notes or he was giving me advice and I was giving him advice and vice versa. We had that type of relationship where we competed every single day. Um, and that goes a long way with, with, with my career. What are some of the biggest lessons that you learned from training with a guy like, like Andre Blake? Well, Andre, Andre is a very like relaxed, nice person in, 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 in a great way. You know, he's, he's, he's from Jamaica. So he's, I don't want to say he's overly laid back, but he's just a truly genuine person. So when mistakes happen, Andre was that guy that he would be able to just like, be like, yeah, it's life on to the next one. You know, like it's going to, ha- he, it's going to happen again, which doesn't mean you're lackadaisical about it, but it's part of the game. It's part of life. You really just have to, Hey, come on, let's go next play, next play, next play. So he was really good in, uh, in, in helping me and, and, and developing together in that way. Kids take notes. It's going to happen again. So you better be prepared for it. Oh, absolutely. It's going to happen time and time again. And don't even sweat it. Like pick it up, keep it going. You would then head back to the USL for a few years with Bethlehem Steel and Tampa Bay Rowdies before you made your jump back to MLS with Inter Miami and now currently with LAFC. I mean, I think a lot of people will be curious how you just ha- you handle that movement mentally because it's, you know, I think it's a big concern for a lot of goalkeepers who aren't, who might not be starting regularly. You know, you know, what if I get moved around? What if I get cut? How do you compete for that starting role, move teams and still keep a level head as a goalkeeper? Yeah, my, my decision to go down after my time with Philadelphia uh, to Tampa Bay was, like you said, Andre, we know Andre's a good goalkeeper. So guess what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get minutes. I'm not gonna ever get my 20, 30 game season if I just sit behind this guy. Maybe I'll pick up an open cup game, some international friendlies, if he gets injured or goes away, stuff like that, you know? Um, but my decision was to leave Philadelphia and it was still it's still to this day is it it was a tough decision because I'm leaving family, friends and a great club and great coaching staff, but they were great in giving me the opportunity not trying to hold me back um, because I needed games. That's where my belief was. I have a belief in myself, and I, I had a belief at the time too when I went to Tampa to, to go out and play. I knew that if I went down and I got one good season on my belt, I'd get another opportunity somewhere else. I just I had that belief in me that if, I, if the opportunity comes and the timing's right, I'll get my chance. And, and that's why I took the chance with, with Tampa Bay and – that got me an opportunity back in the MLS of Miami. And that's what that's a lesson for anybody who's listening. I mean, I especially I think as a goalkeeper, the best way you're going to develop is if you play. I mean, training is great. Building camaraderie with your team is great. And I will forever cherish the memories that I had as a backup when I played in college. But And I wouldn't change a thing about it. But the way, the quickest way for you to develop is to get minutes. And that's, that's a very mature decision that you had to make. Yeah, like I said, it wasn't easy. It definitely wasn't an easy, easy decision. Was it the right decision? Uh, who knows? You know, I hope I have another 10 plus years of my career and I hope it, it, it was the right decision. And I felt like at the time it definitely was. But you got to get the games and I think you always need to bet on yourself. And I'm a big believer in that. From your perspective, I mean, what are some of the biggest misconceptions you hear about goalkeepers? <laughs> uh, 
uh, um, you're crazy. You don't really need to be crazy. Like they're always like the goalkeepers have a loose screw. No, I don't think we have a loose screw. I just think that it's just we view we view everything a little differently. <laughs> I, I think I argue that we have our our screws are screwed on a little bit tighter than than most people. I think we're the level headed ones, and everybody else is just crazy running around like that for ninety minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad way to look at it. You know, who wants to run for ninety minutes when I can stand there and not about... me? Yeah, yeah, you know. But no, I just I, I think that's a big misconception. Is goalkeepers are the weird ones or the the ones that are out there? Yeah. Could be right, could be wrong, but that's the one that just always wonder. I always wonder about. I think what you know. What are some of the most commonly asked questions you get? I mean, I always you know, I have never played pro, but I always get the you know, well, why would you want to put your body in front of that, or well, don't you get bored when it's on the other side of the field, things like that. Yeah, those are those are good good questions that I've heard before. Like, were you ever like bored, or like, what do you think about what do you think about when the ball's down the other end? And I got this method. It's called like a like a white line method. Like as soon as I cross that white line it's go time, you know, like, and then when, when the, the last whistle blows, I walk up the field, I switch off, you know? So the, the, that was a, a big question. Like, do you ever get bored? Like, what do you, what do you do? And it's kind of just like, I don't know. I try to talk to the people in front of me to make sure I'm focused. <laughs> yeah. We never, if you know, people, obviously you can't hear because of the crowds, but we never stop talking. Mm-mm. That's the thing. Yeah. We know. Sorry. I was taking a sip of my water. We never, yeah. We never stop talking. And then, like, with the crowd noise and stuff, there's certain points of the game where you actually can't talk because it's so loud. So you have to stay super focused because there's only maybe, like, they can only hear you from, like, 20 yards away at some points. And you're screaming, screaming. So you, your level of focus is, is key. If you're ever paying attention for a really rowdy game, you'll notice that, you know, even if a goalkeeper's just trying to line up his wall, Pay attention because sometimes you'll notice them trying to bang their spikes off the back of the post and try and get their – just to maybe be as loud as possible to get their, their defender's attention. It's I always think it's the funniest thing. I, I don't know why it makes me laugh every time, but anytime a goalkeeper clangs their, their, their spikes off the, off the post to you know, try and get somebody's attention, it always makes me laugh. Yeah, it's, it's, that, little, it's that little noise that's the, the different sound that gets the, the player's attention or the clapping of the gloves, you know? Anything you got to do. Those are the two sounds you just gotta try to pick somebody's uh pick somebody's attention with. I think before we go, we all also kind of want to know what it's like having a guy like Will Farrell as an owner of the club that you play for. <laughs> yeah, I met him. I met him uh, two times now, um, and he's he's a really nice dude. He's funny. He's obviously like he's probably one of my favorite actors in the in, in the industry. So it's cool. It's cool. He's passionate. He loves the games. He goes to the games um so it's 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 cool it's really cool john i really want to thank you for uh for taking the time and hopping on the podcast today yeah no worries carter it was great catching up and hopefully we can do it again absolutely guys this has been yet another episode of just for keeps the podcast all about goalkeepers thank you so much again to john mccarthy for coming on i have been your host carter hockman we'll see you next time Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Just for Keeps.